All right. Um, good morning to our online worshipers as well. So today we, we're going to be looking into the book of Acts chapter 24. So our title, just like we can see, is um, the trial before Felix. Before Felix. So before I go into my big idea for today, uh, permit me to give this piece of advice. Right? I know uh, Louis said um, he talked about my appearance, so please don't get distracted uh, by my appearance. And um, I will encourage you in the next half an hour, 30, 30 minutes that we've got together, probably 30 minutes odd. Uh, please try as much as possible to pay attention and not to get distracted by whatever, your phone, side talks, you know, because I believe God is going to minister to, to each and every one of us this morning in the name of Jesus. So just That's okay. So please give me your listening ears this morning. All right. So um, now going to our big idea for today. And if there is one thing that you're going to take home with you today, one thing from today's message is actually the big idea. Right. It says there is no more convenient time than now to accept the gospel or to serve God faithfully because tomorrow is not guaranteed. So if that's the only thing you're going to take home today, let it keep pondering in your heart. Or let me put it in another way. If your heart misses a bit as the message goes along, or it could be even outside the church today. If you hear a message, a preaching, somebody speaking, and your heart misses a beat, I will encourage you, don't ignore it. Don't delay making a decision because delay is dangerous. Or let me put it in another way. If a message passes through your heart or it costs Cut through your heart. Do not ignore it. Take the necessary action without delaying. This is what Hebrew says. We're going to come back to that um, big idea as we go along as well. So Hebrew chapter 3 verse 15 says, remember what it says. Today when you hear his voice, do not harden your heart as Israel did when they rebelled. So uh, before we start uncovering our message today, let's have a brief rewind back to chapter 21, 22, and 23 for some context. Uh, that's going to help us to lay some foundation for today's message. So in chapter 21, so Paul traveled from... Ephesus uh, to Jerusalem after his um, third missionary journey, which happened to be his final journey. Right? And of course, on, on, 
on his way back, he had several stops. And um, interestingly, there is no coincidence when it comes to the things of God. He actually stopped at Caesarea. That's one of the, uh, it's part of the message that we're going to be talking about today. It's part of um, the passage that Maria, Maria read for us. Thank you, Marie, by the way. So, and, um, and that's the same place where he had his trial. So there's an incident that happened. So there was this prophet, Agabus, who came from Judea to Caesarea at that particular point in time. And he saw Paul's belt, and he tied it to his own hands and his feet. And this is what he said. The Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt, and we hand him over to, to the Gentiles. But guess what? That message did not deter Paul. He went to Jerusalem anyway. And when he got there, he was attacked by an angry mob who wanted to kill him, or because of simply because he was preaching the gospel, the good news of salvation, through faith in Jesus Christ. And they believed that was an heresy. So he was later arrested for his safety and um, chained by, by the Roman soldiers. So in chapter 22, uh, while he was arrested, before they, they were taking him to the barracks, so he, he pleaded with the commander, please let me address these people. And he was given the permission. And that's where he shared his testimony. We heard about you know, sharing our testimony, our story. And you never know who is going to be blessed or whose life is going to be transformed by your testimony. That's why it's very important right, for us to share our testimony. Paul, unashamed, unashamedly and fearlessly, he told his story. How he encountered Jesus on his way to Damascus. And that's what, if you look at the story of Paul all through, he always makes sure that any opportunity that comes up for him to share the gospel, he jumps at it. He grabs it. He doesn't waste time. He gets excited about it. That's what he does. And remember, if you remember in the book of um, Acts chapter 17, when he got to Athens, right? He walked around and looked around as well, and he found an object of worship where, they, where there was an inscription to an, unknown, to an unknown God. And guess what? He grabbed that opportunity as well, and he used it to share the gospel. So on that note, this is the key takeaway for us. Grab it when opportunities come your way to share the gospel. You never know the impact that you're making on that person. Now to chapter 23. So this is where Paul stood before this Sanhedrin and a commander. Uh, that was uh, Claudius Lysias. So um, before he was taken back to barracks after another great opera. Right, and that, that's where Jesus Christ appeared to him and told him that he should take courage. That as he has testified 
about him in Jerusalem that is going to do the same in Rome. And last week we heard about God, the way maker, the promise keeper. So I believe all the events, all the encounters that Paul had, is all, is all part of the plan of God. It's just, is God putting together the, you know, the jigsaw pauses, making sure that everything aligns. And I could see some similarities in the life of Paul and Jesus Christ, our Lord as well. Right? Uh, there was a plot to kill Jesus Christ in Matthew chapter 20, 26, verse 3. Just like we read again last week, Paul, Acts chapter 22, 23, 11 to 12 to 23. Jesus Christ also stood before the Sahendrin and the governor. The governor then was Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate, and um, Paul here stood before Felix. In both cases, there was no evidence to prove them guilty. But Jesus Christ was eventually crucified because Pontius Pilate ordered it. Again, all this is part of God's plan. Remember what Romans chapter 8, 28 says? We know that all things work together for our good. All things work together for our good. It may look as if things are not working the way we expect it. It may look as if the journey is rough, the road is rough. But brothers and sisters, believers in Christ, all things are working together for our good. Just like we also see in the case of, of Paul. Let's say a short prayer before we continue. Father, we want to thank you this morning uh, for this great opportunity to come before you. Father, I pray that the entrance of your word this morning will give us light and understanding. And I pray that we all live here blessed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for in Jesus' name we pray. All right, so moving on to today's passage, we're going to examine couple of sins in our text. So the, the first one is about post-trial. I'm not going to dwell too much on that. Then we'll move on to the sin two. Uh, that was when Paul had an interaction with, with Felix, the governor. So that, that's going to be my, my main focus today. And that, that's where the big idea actually emanates from. All right. So to sin one. So this is what happened. I'm just going to make um, a brief summary. So there are actually three key players in scene one. Just like we normally have in today's court, where we're going to have the plaintiff, and we have the defendant, and there is a judge. So that's exactly the similar situation here. So they, in this case, the plaintiff or the accusers was the high priest Ananias and um, some Jewish elders, and they are, they are represented by a man called Tutulus. Right. So Ananias was the name, again, coincidentally, if you remember, in the book of Acts chapter 9, when um, Paul was on his way to Damascus and he 
He got blinded. The man that God sent to him for his healing, for him to receive his sight, his name was also Ananias. So now a different Ananias is coming up right here. Right, but on this, mat, on this, on this case, he was accusing Paul because of, um, because of him preaching the gospel. So if you, if you look at chapter, verse 2 of chapter 24, the way Tertullus presented his case before Felix, it's very obvious that he was just trying to make, um, basically everything he said was false, lies upon lie. That's, what, that's exactly what, what Tertullus did. Uh, he, said that, he said, we have enjoyed a long period of peace under you, and your foresight has brought about reforms in this nation. They are all basically flattery words. Everyone knows who Governor Felix was. We're going to look at his profile shortly. And um, he went further to say that everywhere and in every way, most excellent Felix, we acknowledge this with profound gratitude, which again was totally false. So um, they accused him for being a troublemaker, uh, stirring up riots among the Jews all over the world. That's so elaborate, you know. And uh, they claimed that he was also a ringleader of a Nazarene sect. Christianity is being referred to as Nazarene sect right here. Again, that gives it some kind of negative connotation. Right. And the last one, they said he tried to desecrate the temple. But all these accusations are baseless. They, there are no evidence. There are no, nothing to prove that he did any of this. So Paul came up and he defended himself. He defended himself. He basically said they, they have no proof to the charges that they are, they are making against him. And the, only, the other thing he mentioned, he said there will be a resurrection of both the righteous and the wicked. So right here he was trying to make a connection to the specific truth, trust he has, in, he has in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So which was the foundation of everything that Paul believes on. Hallelujah. So now going on to Felix. So Felix, who was, Bible says, was well acquainted with the way. By the way, the word the way or the, the phrase the way basically means that was, um, that was what the, the um, the Christians, right back in the days, right, that was, that was the time they used for them. The Christian movement, you know, the way people following, you know, is the way of life. That's what Christianity is all about anyway, is the way of life. So that's what, uh, that's what they are regarded as back in the days. So Felix actually had enough evidence before him to make a decision about Paul, but he didn't. But he made an excuse that he's going to wait for the Roman commander Lars to come, Lysias to come. However, there are probably many other reasons why he didn't make a decision at that point in time, which we're going to look into as well. So that's scene two. Now let's move on to scene two. Sorry, that was scene one. Let's move on to scene two. I believe um, Paul's defense probably triggered some curiosities. In Felix, right, 
and he wanted to learn more. Uh, Paul shared a bit of his story, his testimony, his belief during the defense. He talked about the way. So, again, remember, never underestimate the power of testimony. You never know the life that you're going to be touching. So let's have a, a look at Felix's profile. Who, who was Felix? So his full name is actually Tiberius Claudius Felix, and he was a governor from AD 52 to probably AD 59 and 60. So the way he, act, the way he actually achieved his citizenship uh, was quite um, unique or different. So his brother, his brother was called Pallas. He happened to be a good friend of um, the emperor then, Emperor Claud Claudius. So he was able to secure his brother uh, that opportunity. So, and he, he also married to three princesses in his lifetime. Um, he was um, husband to Drusilla. Drusilla was a princess. Uh, and uh, Drusilla, also, Drusilla also happened to be uh, the daughter of uh, King Agrippa. And just like I mentioned earlier on, Felix was a corrupt man. You know, he actually he was expecting bribe from, from Paul. Not that alone there was, a, there was um, in history that he... There was bloody massacre during his reign, during his period, and there was repression. He actually ordered the killing of probably over thousands of Jews during his, during his time, and um, he took their possession, their property, and he gave them to Roman people. So he wasn't really a good man. All right, so let's read it. I'm going to read a passage, chapter, Act 24, from 24 to 26 again before we now look into uh, some of the key points for our big idea today. So, from 24, several days later, Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish. He sent for Paul and listened to him as he spoke about faith in Christ Jesus. As Paul talked about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, there is enough, that's enough for now. You may leave. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. At the same time, it was hoping that Paul would offer him a bribe. So he sent for him frequently and talked with him. When two years had passed, Felix was succeeded by Pocius Festus. But because Felix wanted to grant a favor to the Jews, he left Paul in prison. In the passage, we could see a couple of reasons why he didn't actually also release Paul. He was expecting bribe for him, and at the same time, he wanted to grant favor to the Jews. Again, remember, there is no more convenient time than now to accept the gospel or to serve God faithfully. Tomorrow is not guaranteed. So there, there are what I call three-point sermon from Paul to Felix and Drusilla. Paul, is, he was actually a very fearless man. The governor was somebody who's, who basically his life was in the hand of the governor. And here was Paul talking to the governor about 
probably three unpopular topics. Righteousness, self-control, and judgment. This is somebody who can make a decision whether he lives or dies. But he wasn't afraid to talk about that. So let's dive, let's, let's dive into those three, three topics. Righteousness. Uh, so why did Paul talk about righteousness? Among many other topics that he could have chosen. Why, why did he start with righteousness? Let, let us remember this thing. God evaluates and assesses human conditions differently. And Felix and Drusilla needed to understand this. Likewise, we all need to understand this. That the way God evaluates us, the way he assesses us is different. And we all need to understand it. Again, human condition is sinful. It's broken. So basically we can say we are messed up. If I'm allowed to use that term. We inherited sin right from Adam. We are all born into sin as well. And Bible says that no one is righteous. And this is what Psalm 51 verse 5 says. Surely I was Sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Right from the moment that we are conceived from the, from the womb, we, became, or we, we become sinners. And this is what Romans chapter 3 verse 10 says as well. As it is written, there is no one righteous. No, not even one. And these are, this is very important for, for Paul to lay that foundation. Righteousness, human conditions, right, is completely sinful and broken. And if you have to look at Old, Old Testament, that, 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 that was actually a very harsh statement. This is what he says in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, verse 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean. And all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. So if we do not understand the depravity of our own souls, we will never understand our need for a savior. So Paul was trying to establish that. You need to know that, yes, your human, as human, your condition, your heart is sinful. Regardless of your good deeds, regardless of you know, how perfect you may look to people out there. Let me put it this way. It's just like, you know, you have a medical pro problem. And you go to see a doctor. 
before they can talk to you about the cure, there must be a diagnosis first. So this was what, exactly what Paul was trying to do here. He, need, he needed to talk to them about what the diagnosis is first before you know, they can know what the cure is. So in this case, the diagnosis is actually that we are sinful. They are sinful. We are not righteous. And the cure is God. The cure is Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world, and he gave his only begotten son. God loved us. Even when we are sinful and depraved. And that's why he sent his only begotten son to die for us. The innocent and perfect son died for us. He took upon, upon himself our punishment. He took the punishment intended for us. He bore our unrighteousness. And we gained his righteousness. So that was the exchange. He took upon himself our own unrighteousness and he gave us his righteousness. So that's the only way you can be righteous. So righteousness does not come by, by obeying the law. No. God the Father in his providence decided that his only begotten son would take on the sins of the human race and that anyone who put his faith in him, who put his trust in him, and the sacrifice that his son made will be made righteous by faith in what Christ did. So that's what righteousness is all about. So basically, Paul was telling Felix and his wife, you are not going to understand your need for Jesus until you understand that you are not right with God. And the only way you can be made right with God is through faith. And the righteous one who died for the sins of the whole world. To understand Jesus first. To understand Jesus, you first need to understand and recognize and accept your sinful condition. So he now went on to talk about self-control. Again, why did he talk about self-control? We saw... Felix's profile. We saw who he was. Perhaps, maybe that's why he talked about self-control. I actually, I strongly believe that's one of the reasons why he talked about self-control. But before we go into that, I will give two reasons. Number one, I see self-control as the basis behind every sin. Think about it. The sin we commit today it's because of lack of self-control. Adultery, fornication, drunkenness, stealing, lying, name it. We can put all sins under this category, self-control. And of course, look at Paul and Drusilla. They needed to hear a lesson on self-control, considering Drusilla, she was married. 
However, Felix was able to lure her or to seduce her, to leave her husband and come to, and come to him. That was lack of self-control. And Felix was famous for immorality. Name it, corruption, bribery. We've said it. So these guys needed to hear about self-control. I would say his lack of it is the root is the root of all types of sins. So self-control is mentioned as um, fruit of the spirit in Galatians chapter 5, verse 23. Gentleness and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And this is what Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28 says about self-control as well. A man without self-control is like a city broken into and left without walls. That's what self-control is all about. Now, judgment to come. This is um, probably a scary subject as well, especially for some of our churches nowadays. They might be trying to shy away from talking about judgment, not to scare people. Especially if you are looking to you know, to grow the number of your members. But the truth must be told anyway. Without leaving anything behind. So this is where I, I believe Felix actually got afraid. So as Paul talked about righteousness and self-control and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and said, that's enough for now. You may live. When I find it convenient, I will send for you. Probably he didn't understand that there is no more convenient time than that moment for him to accept the message, the gospel that Paul was talking about. I'm sure his heart missed some beat. And he pushed it aside. It's like, no, not now. I'm not ready for this. So again, let me remind you, when a message passes through your heart, don't delay in making decision as soon as possible. So there are different types of judgment in the Bible. We won't be able to go into all of them. But Paul is probably referring to either the great white throne judgment uh, as um, I will encourage us to go into the book of Revelations to read about that. So Revelations chapter 20 from verse 11 to 15, that's where, um, that's actually the final judgment of unbelievers for their sins. You know, at the end of the millennium, right? 1,000 reign of Christ. So before the creation of the new heaven and the new earth. So at this judgment, Unbelievers from all the ages are judged for their sins and consigned to the lake of fire. So that's one judgment. So the other one, which is the personal judgment. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27 says, Hebrews 9 27, just as people are destined to die once and after that to face judgment. So 
each and every one of us will stand before the Lord to give an account of our lives. So he was telling them, you've got to give an account. You will be judged. Depending on your stand with God, that's what will determine the type of judgment that you will face. So two facts about judgment. Jesus Christ is judge. John 5, 22. This is what he says. Jesus Christ is the judge. He says, moreover, the Father judges no one. But has entrusted all judgment to, to the Son. And Acts chapter 10, verse 42 also confirms this. He commanded us to preach, the, to preach to the people and to testify that he is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. So let's set that fact straight. Jesus is the judge. And the second one. The, judge, the judgment seat of Christ, this is where the believers will be judged. But this kind of judgment is a judgment unto commendation and not condemnation. But this is for believers only. For those who have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Hallelujah. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10 says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due. What is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. So resurrected or raptured believers in heaven will be judged for their works. So sin is not in view at this judgment. No. Why is sin not in view at this judgment? Because believers in Jesus are judged at the time of salvation. So the day you give your life to Christ, remember, Christ died for us. Our punishment was put upon him. Right? It took on our unrighteousness, our sins. Everything was put upon him. So the, the day you declare the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means you've been judged. And Jesus Christ has received your judgment. So his righteousness was imputed into us. And our names are written in the book of life. Hallelujah. Judgment of commendation. And this is what the Bible says as well. In Revelation 3, 11, uh, it talks about rewards, about crown. So that's what believers will receive, believers in Christ. They will be given by one who is not unjust, who is Jesus Christ our Lord. Judgment. So, so my question to you, what kind of judgment are you going to be faced with? In conclusion, Remember, there is no more convenient time than now to accept the gospel. I don't know, maybe you've been hearing the gospel every now and then. You've been hearing the good news every now and then. And you keep saying to yourself, 
or when I find it convenient, or I will look into it. Let me remind you, once again, delay is dangerous. Delay is very dangerous. You are not guaranteed a more convenient time. Let me put it that way. No one is guaranteed a more convenient time. No one is guaranteed tomorrow. You don't know what is going to happen tomorrow. I've read stories about people who heard the gospel and they rejected it and they never had the opportunity to accept Christ before they pass away. And this is where grace comes in. And you, you have heard stories of people as well, last minute, before they pass away, they accepted Christ Jesus. But again, you don't know if you're going to have that kind of opportunity. So my word of encouragement to you, to all of us this morning, is don't be like Felix. And say to yourself, I'll think about it when I find it more convenient. Rather, this is what I'm going to tell you to do. If you've been hearing a message that is pricking your heart, make a decision instantly about it. If you are here to give your life to Christ and you are hearing me today, now is the time for your salvation. Do not delay it any longer. Maybe you are afraid like Felix was because of judgment or because of many other things. You know what? Once you give your life to Christ Jesus, his righteousness will be inputted into you. And there's no reason to be afraid anymore because you've been judged. So that actually we alleviate the fear in you. So stop making a decision, a delayed decision about Jesus. You've gotten enough evidence. Stop making a delayed decision. Perhaps God is telling you, maybe you're a believer already, and God is telling you to do certain things. Maybe God is calling you into a different assignment. Again, I'm going to encourage you this morning. Stop making a delayed decision. Take that bold step of faith and yield to the call of God. Whatever God has put in your heart to do, you've been pondering on it, you've been delaying it, take that step today. Now is the accepted time. Rejection through delay is dangerous. Don't respond to the gospel in the same way like Felix. I'll do it later. I'll do it when it's convenient. Remember, there is no more convenient time than now to accept the gospel if you are yet to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior or to serve God faithfully. We heard about spiritual disciplines. Let me put it out to you this way. What's your spiritual goal this year? 
Did you have one? I know we do set personal goals every year. Do you have any spiritual goal for yourself this year? Do you desire to seek God first and his righteousness? Do you prioritize the things of God or you prioritize your own goal? Do you seek after other things that the Bible says will come, will be seeking you if you put God's kingdom first? If you put seeking God's kingdom first? Are you doing it the other way around? Do you put the cart before the horse instead of the horse coming before the cart? So I'm, again, I'm telling you this morning, make a decision to serve God faithfully. Whatever he's asking you to do, make a decision to serve him faithfully. And I pray that God will help us in the name of Jesus. Remember what he says? Today when you hear his voice, don't add in your heart. If you are there listening to me and you're here to give your life to Christ, this is another opportunity for you. Apologies, I know our time is fast spent. So can we just bow down our heads and say a short prayer? It's a prayer of salvation for those who are here to give their life to Christ and want to make that decision today without any delay. Just pray that, Father, Lord Jesus, I recognize myself as a sinner and I accept you as my Lord and Savior today. Take the whole of me and take me in your hands and help me to walk with you with all my heart and with all my strength. I made a decision today to follow you. Lord, help me in Jesus' name. Amen. Father, we thank you for your word today. We pray that your word will have a great impact in our heart. And as we live here today, Lord, you will help us to do according to your word. You will help us, Lord, not to delay whatever you are asking us or telling us to do.